Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your mega preview pod for this week's Shriners Children's Open. It's storylines, it's best bets, it's anything else that we get into. Joining me to break it all down, Greg Ducharme is here. Greg, happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday to you, gentlemen. Uh, lots to talk about today. Been a little, you know, uh, other than Ryder Cup, been a little quiet in the fall, but we have some uh, some news today, so it should be a fun thing to break down. Breaking news and history this week. Lots to talk about. Kyle Porter is also here. Hello, KP. Yeah, I feel like... Uh, I, I, how do you feel, Rick? Or do you feel like you're back in the flow of just everyday life? It took me a while post Ryder Cup. One, because Ryder Cup, it's just this overwhelming wave of content and just, you know, the whole week is like that. But then also traveling back. I, I feel like I'm finally like kind of kind of dialed a little bit. Yes, for sure. So so I will tell you, so on my personal YouTube channel, I have not missed a Monday preview show in seven years until last week. So last week was the first time in seven years I missed the Sanderson Farms because we were traveling back. Yeah. So 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 this Monday, yesterday, if you're watching this live or listening to it on on Tuesday, I, that like jolted me right back into it. I'm like, okay, now like I feel like a real week when I get to do the Monday preview show. You know, Rick, yeah. one thing they uh, one thing they say about YouTube, consistency is the most important thing. That's so I, make sure you work on that. I know my bad. That's on me. <laughs> it's like the the what's the Seinfeld thing where he used to write the X in the in the calendar on the every day where he would write joke or he would write material. Oh, really? I haven't heard that. Rick had what? What is that? Uh, three hundred and fifty week, three hundred fifty X's in a row. Yeah. Now I got a blank square. Starting over. Just not no paper chain. Nothing. It's you got one. It what did, a failure. I, I did I did like consider like what if I just record like a two minute thing on my phone and but like I felt so corny to just to try to keep <laughs> just to gotta keep the streak alive, right? That felt that's like when they, you know, the guys got this uh, consecutive game streak and they, you know, they sub them in with a minute to go and it, the, the fate has already been decided. It felt it felt like that. So I, I just I just broke it. Speaking of cons- consecutive games, my mind went straight to to Cal Ripken when you said that. Have you guys been following the uh the baseball playoffs at all? Uh, no. You said yes, Rick. I have, and also Kyle, you're the one who told me about Baseball 100, right? The book. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I so started good. it today. And so good. I'm like now I'm like baseball junkie again. Like I'm yes. going right back into it. Riding a bicycle, right? You're you're just you're back on on in the saddle. Yeah, it's so good. The uh, so the reason I brought that up is my son and I were watching, or all my kids and I were watching the Braves game last night. Did you see the way that this ended? Yeah, I'm a Phillies guy, so that was that was uh, that was a tough that was tough that was tough for us. 
an eight five three double play to end a playoff game never been done before is that true is, is that like like somebody published that yeah it's uh i don't know probably like elias or something like that it was the first eight five three double play to i think end any game let alone a playoff game it was prop- the funniest. We went back and watched the replay. The funniest part is Harper trying, like, not only trying to get back, but having to hit two bases on his way back was incredible. <laughs> baseball, the thing I think is so interesting, Greg, is baseball. So, so golf, baseball is the perfect stat sport, right? They've been yeah. playing basically the same number of games forever. It, it, you know, you've had the same number of leagues. Yes, teams have have come and gone and all that stuff, but you can compare across eras. And golf is so far away from that. But but there is still things in baseball that happen almost every night that have never happened before, just because there is so many permutations and combinations of things that uh, could happen that in this game over a hundred years old still haven't happened. Yeah, it really is insane. Uh, and I saw that play. And while I don't really follow it, it was incredible. And you could certainly appreciate it. I mean, I almost forgot the M- MLB playoffs were even happening, which is too bad because I like I actually like watching baseball in October. Um, and I'm I'm not really a baseball guy. So yeah, maybe maybe tonight's the night I get back into it. Um, but you're right, it's a great stat sport. And it's gotten more fun. With we talked about this, Rick, but how how fast the games are now? Because save, save the sport, save the sport. Yeah, you don't feel like oh, well, I got to dedicate four and a half hours. To, I mean, I remember growing up, like high school and and even into college, you're like, oh, Yankees, Red Sox tonight. I guess I'll stay up until one a.m. They know? would start. They would start those games at nine Eastern, and they would be four and a half hour games. Uh, yeah, Clay Buckholtz would be eaten up like 60 seconds after every single pitch. <laughs> Just brutal stuff. Clay Buckholtz. Uh, what What were you saying earlier about golf not having the same sort of um... – like across era comparison. What, well, what, give, I, I, give me more on that. Well, I just think that golf, um, because guys play different numbers of events, because courses are so different from one another, there are not these uh, milestones that other sports have. Baseball's so great at this: two hundred hits in a season, three thousand hits for a career. You know, five hundred home runs. Right? These are these are milestones that across generations you can see how many guys have accomplished it no one in golf has ever been like wow he's in the thousand birdie club right mm-hmm. there's only there's only two guys in the thousand birdie 100 eagle club like that it's just it, it doesn't really work that way just because of the nature of the game itself and i wish i wish it did because i think that helps build history helps build legacy does help you compare across eras and and all that stuff but i don't know how we would how we would actually fix something like that or if it even needs to be fixed but that's what it, i love a lot about baseball it's like the yeah i do i like that too it's like the acuna forty seventy club you're like oh that's that's crazy and i think some of it some of what you're talking about i was actually writing about this today believe it or not in normal sport three i was working on a chapter and i was i was writing about how in the in golf, like if you like, I compared Ricky Fowler and Jonathan Bird. Like Ricky Fowler has six PGA Tour wins, Jonathan Bird has five, and yet, like no one would ever say those are the same cal- like same quality or caliber of golfers. Ricky Fowler is like so much better of a golfer than Jonathan Bird, and yet, if you just look at their wins, um, 
like an alien would just say, oh, their win resumes look similar, six and five, right? But in, in baseball, the, the example that I gave was Tom Glavin has 305 career wins and Randy Johnson has 302 or something. And you would say, well, over time, like they were pretty much, they did it very differently, but they're pretty much had the same level of success. Like you can tell from the numbers and golf is just so, yeah, it's so unique and weird. And I think some of it is that you're not playing against, you're playing against the course. You're not playing against each other. And I think when you're playing against each other over time, even though nobody would say Babe Ruth would hit 60 home runs in 2023, you could, you can still compare it because he was playing against people of the same, like at the same level of him as him back in 1920 or whatever. And so it's just this human on human uh, competition or his golf is human against course. And that just, it, it's just so weird and different than any other sport. You also have um, like a big reason why Jonathan bird and Ricky Fowler, and I don't know the numbers, but a big part of that comparison is things like top 10 finishes. Right. Right. In baseball, you got a 50% chance of you got two teams playing, right? Somebody's going to win and somebody's going to lose in the yep. game of golf. You know, losing by one is a great week. Very often. I mean, if you kept track of the number of times that Randy Johnson lost by one, it'd be silly. <laughs> you know, like he almost won uh, 700 yeah. times. He almost won. Good <laughs> but like it's a it's a great point greg right? i think it's yeah. such a good point and it's such a weird thing about golf that it, but like i think the hard part is like we don't we still don't give credit to those or we don't give i don't think enough credit to the finishing second or the losing by one or two it's sometimes we still only look at the wins because we're conditioned by other sports to do that and that's just, I think, an unreasonable and unfair way to sort of evaluate golf. It, it's it's a hard thing to do because they're they're also each week is a, is a championship. It's yeah. almost like each week is a is a season. Where you, you know you come in second in a PGA Tour event, it's a great week. You lose in the World Series, you probably had a pretty good year. Just took right. you know four rounds versus a hundred and. Yeah, how 200 games, however yeah. many it takes to lose in a world series. That's, that's interesting too, because you know, other sports you, you hear it a lot, especially in the NBA. It's like, okay, this team went to three consecutive conference finals and it's like, okay, I get it right. They were one of the final four teams, wh whatever that, whatever that looks like there are, uh, I don't want to say checkpoint, but there's, there's, there's ways to say it a lot easier than being like, like we should say, oh, well, uh, Ricky Fowler has been in the final group on Sunday so many times. Like that would almost be like he got close or yeah, it's just, it's just bizarre and harder to quantify. Yeah. I think our version of that is like Ricky Fowler finished in the top five in all four majors in a year. Right. Yeah. But the which, problem, which he did. The problem is the good golf stuff. And somebody in the chat said it too. Like, like the, the one golf number that matters is like 59 right? Like, like shoot sub 60. That that's the one that's basically like across the board. Doesn't matter what the par was. Like if you shoot in the fifties, you did, but it doesn't happen frequently enough for it to matter. Right? Like how, how many guys have finished inside the top five at all four majors? How many guys have shot uh, sub 60 rounds? The numbers are so small that it, it is not as 
enjoyable to keep track of because it's such a, a finite number of guys who do it. Well, and what's weird about that is that you mentioned earlier, baseball is the perfect statistical sport, which I, I agree with, by the way, but golf should be right. Yes. It's, it's, it's even more statistically inclined because it's just you and the numbers. It's all, the whole game is numbers, right? Like, <laughs> I know. What are you putting on the scorecard? You're writing a number like that. That's the whole thing. Do you think Kyle, I, sorry, I don't want to jump in, but like, no, go ahead. Because I think if we had so baseball, uh, the history of baseball has like always been kept in box scores. If we had hole by hole scoring of you know uh, whatever any, I mean that only goes back to like 1980 officially. I think on the PGA Tour, if mm -hmm. we had Francis, we met. I mean, we might have it because it was a U.S. Open, but you know what I mean. If we had like how many times a guy has made three, four, five birdies in a row, like all that other stuff. I think it would be more interesting. It, even the good stuff that we have is at least limited. Yeah, no, you're right. And I think Justin Ray has done a good job of this, of kind of normalizing some of this stuff, even though it's just on Twitter. You've done a good job of this with Rick Run Good. Um, it, it, it's golf is weird because its history is very meaningful actually. And we talk about this a lot with the major championships and we can segue this into the OWGR discussion, but, Good luck. um, but it's also, it's, it's, it's history is very meaningful, but it's also not like people can't tell you what the quantifiable stuff is there. Like people can't tell you, Hey, like the common fan in baseball could have told you forever. What's the home run record. The common fan in golf couldn't have told you that. I don't even know if I can do it now. I think Nick price and Greg Norman have the course record at, at Augusta national. Uh, right. Like three. No. I, yeah, I believe that's right. I think it's them too. Maybe somebody uh, Spieth made a run at it. I think it's just those two, but even now us three who are obsessed with this stuff, we can't, we, it's weird that we can't tell you some of these things that seem like they should have more historical weight than they than they do. Final thing, Greg, and I, I can try to get this back to the OWGR, is <laughs> the baseball, Major League Baseball, and obviously there are uh, the Negro Leagues, there's the Japanese League. There, there are obviously other leagues that have had their own history, but for the most part, all of – the highest level of baseball has come from major league baseball in the last hundred years. Golf is so spread out across multiple mm. countries, multiple tours. Then you have the majors. It, it, it is not the one entity, which is what the OWGR is trying to figure out. And they made some news today, Greg, because they announced that uh, live golf officially will not be getting official world golf ranking points. I can read you some of the quotes and some of the things that came out of this, but uh, just initial reaction off the top. Were you surprised? Were you surprised that uh, the request for OWGR points was declined? Uh, I was surprised that news came out today. You know, it wasn't even on my radar. I wasn't expecting a, a decision to be made on this. So in that essence, yes, it was surprising. Uh, but what the ruling is was not surprising. I, I think this is, uh, we've talked about this at length, an extremely difficult thing to um, to weave into official world golf rankings. 
And, you know, the analogy that I used early on when this discussion first started was uh, was basketball. And if the Big Ten, for instance, played three on three basketball and didn't play any other non-conference games, but (laughs) wanted to be ranked with the NCAA teams, you know, how could you compare Michigan playing three on three and only playing Big Ten teams three on three? How could you compare them to Kansas? Who's playing five on five, you know, and maybe that's an extreme example, but the point is you're trying to weave these together and compare uh, scenarios and situations, which is difficult enough as it is with the number of different courses we have, the number of different players we have. So uh, to me, I, I thought it was, it would be very difficult for them to, um, to weave live into the world golf rankings. OWGR chairman Peter Dawson Kyle said, quote, we are not at war with them. This decision is uh, to the decision not to make them eligible is not political. It is entirely technical. Live players are self-evidently good enough to be ranked. They're just not playing in a format where they can be ranked equitably with the other 24 tours and thousands of players trying to compete on them. End quote. Uh, They did release the entire letter to uh, Greg Norman. Uh, in response to the uh, and Gary Davidson from from Live Golf and the uh, OWGR board does not have an issue with size of field, number of holes played, or the absence of a cut. They, uh, Peter Dawson actually said, "We you know we we could come up with some formula that f- takes all of that into account." The big concerns, and we can take these one at a time here because there's two of them. Number one is the player turnover, the pathways to access and relegation, the fact that you are basically getting the same 48 golfers in every single event for the most part, that there is not an easy qualification process. There is not a fair and equitable relegation process because there are some golfers, the captains, the big guys on contracts who will not be relegated even if they... Uh, finished dead last every single week. That was one of the bigger issues that the OWGR had with the application. Yeah, I'm. I'm curious. Real quick, I'm curious, Greg. When you talk about three on three basketball, is that a reference to like the 54 hole thing, the no cut thing? When you when you talk about that, what is your what are you referencing when you say that? Uh, I'm referencing the yes, the no cut thing. Yes, the 54-hole thing. And I understand you can come up with a mathematical equation. Um, the closed-circuit thing is another factor in that. You know, it, it, all these guys play the exact same golf co- course. They, they play the same schedule, I guess is the easiest way to say it, which is very different than the PGA Tour. Um, and, and because they're just simply isolated, it becomes very difficult to blend them in. And I know you have a couple of live players in majors, and if they got world golf ranking points, you might have more. Um, but it just seems like a like a challenging thing. Now, for me personally, I'm much bigger on the format. 54 holes, the uh, the team event being a factor in this, that absolutely has a factor on the concept uh, on the on the competition. So I'm I'm almost more surprised that they are lenient on the format. Yeah. You know, that was a big surprise to me. 
Um, the closed circuit aspect, I think, makes total sense as well. We could talk about that a little more, but yeah, I'm I'm referring more to format than uh, than than the closed circuit. Yeah, and I think what you're saying makes sense. I I would probably lean after after thinking about it more and hearing just sort of some arguments on it. I sound like a judge or something. What was that judge? <laughs> Beth Freeman? Freeman. Beth Labson Freeman or something. The goat. Yeah. She was make her give yeah make her in charge of golf. She's, the, but, she's now the new czar of golf. Yeah, that would that's fine with me. Uh, she was awesome. I, I my my argument all along, and I I I it, it did not originate with me. I saw someone else make it, and I was like, oh, that's the whole thing. Is that you can't whatever you want to say about live you're not whether it's live or whether you, the three of us started a league where we signed players to contracts that they can't and i wrote a, a twitter thread on this if you want to pull it up josh at some point but where where uh, phil mickelson can't he can't fall out of like he can't play his way out of live and whether you think that's a politically good thing a politically bad thing whatever you think about it like we all can agree that you're not if you compare that to the PJ tour, the DP world tour, any of these other tours, you're not measuring similar uh, entities. Like those are, those are completely different things. Now the flip side of this, the argument, if you scroll down a little bit, Josh is, well, you could say kind of sponsors exemptions on the PGA tour work similarly, right? Where you're just kind of getting a free ride for seven events onto the PGA tour, or if like like Ricky Fowler was in a position where he almost had to use a lifetime money exemption. He's top 50 all time on the money list. I think he's like top 10, but top 50, you get a year, you get a free um, ride, free years worth of PGA yeah. Tour. One, one time, one time only, right? You use this, hand in this card, you don't get another chance at it. Yeah, yeah. You, so you get this status for a year on the PGA Tour. And so you could say, well, that's, that's kind of what live is. And those are fair arguments. I think there are conversations to be had about that. But one sponsor exemptions are limited. You don't just get them for as long as you want. And two, you have earned a, the, the money exemption, right? Like the, the year's worth of status. So that's not a, it's not like a contract thing where Yasser could go sign me or Rick to a team. And then all of a sudden, like we can't fall out of the league because we're on a contract. That is just such a different level of uh, it's ju it's just such a different thing that you're measuring than than the PGA Tour or European Tour. Now the thing that sucks, Rick, and this is where sites like yours and Data Golf and other places like that, I think, benefit from today's news. And Peter Dawson said this: Dustin Johnson's one of the best players in the world, and and yet. The official rankings are nobody disagrees that DJ is a great player or Bryson or whoever. Bryson's probably a better example right now. And yet they can't rank them because those are pathways into the major championships, which that stuff matters, right? That that matters from a historical perspective. And so um right. and so places like Rick Run Good, Data Golf, other entities like that, all of a sudden, these are the places that I'm going to 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 rank players because 
they do they are more inclusive if you want to just look purely at who's playing the best golf this is such an and i've i mean so this this application it was in for 15 months so obviously we have spent a lot of time and energy thinking about this and talking about this before uh, this news came out today and greg i have always th- i think there are two valid arguments um that the one is that the OWGR has this requirement to quote protect the field, right? Talking about the 24 tours and the thousands of golfers to, to make sure that everybody kind of plays by similar-ish enough rules. And the other side would say, well, if you're the official world golf rankings, why don't you come up with a way to rank us, right? Isn't that your problem to come up with? Why is it our problem to bend to you if you're going to be the end-all, be-all official world golf rankings? Why aren't you coming up with a way to do this? And I think I've spent a lot of time thinking about both of them. I, I think I lean in defense of the field and defense of what I actually think would be worse is like the bad actors side of this. So Kyle was kind of touching on it. Like if Taylor, if, if you were allowed to just make your own league and uh, keep it closed and do whatever you would see every sponsor Taylor made would have a 12 man tour that is only Taylor made athletes. They would play six times a year against one another, boost their OWGR points and ensure their way into major championships. And it would be a nonstop system of that, which the bad actors would definitely be more inclined to, to do something like that if it was allowed. So I think I lean that it is not the OWGRs, uh, obligation to fit every single tour or player into the system but listen i think it's i think it's a very lively debate it is a lively debate um and part of that is hey this is gonna this isn't you know over right it's not they can reapply but as currently situated it's not going to work i think that causes a, a really big issue for live this answer creates some Real issues uh, because of those contracts. So I'm going to be very curious to see how they kind of negotiate that. But ultimately, your responsibility and the rules that you have are in place for a reason to prevent those bad actors. So, no, it's not the job of the official world golf rankings to change their rules to figure out how to rank a new startup league. And even though it's Dustin Johnson and Sergio Garcia, Bryson DeChambeau, even though there are uh, very worthy players that have gone over there. We have to measure them continuously. And if they play there for 10 years and there's no turnover year over year over year, um, and, and the turnover that there is is so limited that you don't really know how to measure someone like uh, Eugenio Chikara, who we've really never seen outside of these small field events on live. How do we how do we stack that up in the rest of the world of golf? It becomes very complicated to do, uh, and, and I do think that raises some issues. So, no, I don't think the OWGR has a responsibility to figure out how to rank live. I, I don't think that argument holds very much water. I think one point of confusion that people have is what is the purpose of the OWGR, right? I, I think if I think if RickRunGood.com is like I'm I ain't ranking live players, you'd be like. That's kind of dumb. 
Rick. Like that's, that's, that is, uh, I actually think you should, because Rick's goal with RickHungry.com is to, is, is statedly to rank all the best players, to rank all the players in the world from best to worst or whatever. I'm, I'm just, I'm not trying to like write your mission statement. No, go on. Yeah. Effectively. You're hired. Worst to best. <laughs> or worst to best. Whatever you want to do. You can start with me and go down. <laughs> <laughs> and so that, that is like the purpose of places like recurringgood.com and other websites or entities like it. I don't, I think the, and this is maybe where the OWGR has failed a little bit in like, uh, having too broad of a mission or too broad of a um, like purpose, I think the OWGR's sort of uh, mission should be to protect entrance into the major championships. I, I, mm-hmm. I and I'm sort of like making that up on the fly, but that to me, that's a little bit of what's going on here. Is you have to look at who's in charge of the OWGR. It's all the major championship organizations, and so they're going to be incentivized to protect the integrity of. And I don't mean to sound like super high minded, but to protect the integrity of their championships. And you start going down this path, and it's like, well, yeah, of course, an organization whose stated goal is to rank all the best players in the world should rank should cater to however leagues want to you know hold their tournaments or or function but i don't really think that's what the owgr is and i think that there's been a little there's been a lot i think of confusion around what the purpose of that organization actually is the other you want to hear their mission statement yeah do you have it i have it okay um The mission of the OWGR is to administer and publish on a weekly basis a transparent, credible, and accurate ranking based on the relative performance of players participating in male-eligible golf tours worldwide. The OWGR is governed by seven board of directors supported by a technical committee composed of representatives from the governing bodies, major championships, and leading tours from within men's professional golf. Yeah, I mean, the, the operative word there is eligible. I right? was just going to say, that carries the whole... They are absolutely <laughs> accomplishing their mission because yeah. that one word... By definition. Sure that they are, yes. I, I just, I, I sort of... And I would be, I would love to hear with some truth serum how they feel about whether that should be their mission statement now because I think it's sort of been proved that like, really our mission statement is to protect the major championships. And... I don't know that they would rewrite that or reframe that, but to me, that's kind of what's been proved throughout this whole process. Greg, you mentioned the second point here, because this is something that we probably did not spend enough time talking about in the last 15 months and actually became point B of two, one, two of two points of why the OWGR did not uh, approve this request. And it is the impact of team competitions. The fact that individual and team competitions are running simultaneously created a concern for the OWGR so much to the point that they actually listed and referenced a a Sebastian Munoz quote uh, from a live event earlier this year where it was something in regards to uh, he could have tried to win the individual event but he instead played for a team victory for Team Torque. And that is actually in the memo 
from the OWGR back to live golf. So imagine first, imagine Which is sick. Munoz today, like, oh God, I'm such an idiot. Why did I say that? <laughs> but it's you know, it's evident, and that becomes a little bit of proof. Those situations happen everywhere and uh, throughout. I mean, it may be a rare situation where somebody who's trying to win or not win decides to think about their team instead of the individual performance. But in this game, we're ranking players through the field. You know, after somebody's made the cut on a PGA Tour event, the last guy who to make the cut the last place finisher on Sunday is getting OWGR points, you know, so at every step of the way it matters. And when you start having a, adding a team competition in there, players will play differently. I mean, we have this conversation all the time when it comes to handicaps and when you're playing in a match play event and posting a score for your handicap, it doesn't make sense yet. Everybody plays match play and everybody posts their scores. You know, it, cre- it creates a real problem. And the reason is you play differently in match play than stroke play, especially in team match play than individual stroke play. You'll take on shots. Con- putts are conceded. They're, the list goes on and on and on. It changes the strategy of the game. And, and it may not seem like a huge deal that has a major effect, but it is absolutely a factor. Yeah, I, real quick. And I, I know we need to hit a break, Rick, but... That feels like a little bit of a one-off that they just sort of kind of spiking the football a little bit, like padding their case, right? I, I don't, I, I agree with OWGR's decision. I just don't know if, if that is necessarily, I don't know. Guys do things, unspoken things that affect tournaments all the time, right? Like guys internally just give up or, whatever um and i know that it's a little bit different but i i don't know that just that felt a little bit kind of out there of like this one-off thing that might affect some of this but probably won't affect the whole thing very much we're going to continue this conversation what is next for OWGR, Live, the framework, et cetera, et cetera. Lexi Thompson is looking to become the seventh female golfer to tee it up on the PGA Tour and try to make her first cut, the first cut by a female in over 70 years. And we've got our best bets. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. And we're back. In regards to uh, the OWGR letter to Live Golf, there was clearly a, a, a timeline uh, and an open line of communication where they had chatted or met or had phone calls or email exchanges over the course of the last last 15 months asking for clarification and providing some feedback on how to rectify this situation. And KP, I'll bounce it back to you here because the the obvious question is, what's next, right? Um, Two years ago, Greg Norman promised uh, OWGR points to golfers who would come to live. Uh, uh, OWGR over the course of the past 15 months has indeed outlined, hey, maybe if we can get some better relegation, if we can get some better player movement, if we can make sure that guys aren't exempt from being uh, kicked out, not kicked out of the league, but relegated out of the league on on a meritocracy basis, Maybe that's interesting right now. uh, There hasn't been any tangible steps by live. And I think that they are a bit handcuffed, right? You can't pay someone $200 million and let him walk. Um, 
So like now what? Yeah, I, I don't know because I thought, <laughs> and maybe it was a little bit of fake diplomacy, but I thought Peter Dawson was pretty diplomatic of saying like, Hey, we're, we're kind of open to this. Right. But <laughs> he, he know he's saying that knowing that live is in the position that you just described, which is untenable with uh, the OWGR's position. Right. And so it, it might be a little patronizing to say, we're open to this knowing that they can't do anything about it. Even if you say, because there are what four spots of relegate, like where you can play your way into the league. I think there's three at this like season ending yeah. tournament, which is cool. And then one via the international series on the Asian tour, which Andy Ogletree is leading. Uh, is, is, I think he, I think he, I think he locked it up as well. Yeah. So there is a way to play the, your way in. The problem is there's only certain guys that can fall out. And so, right that's the part like even if you said oh well let's open it up to 10 spots which they theoretically could do there's still going to be guys that can't fall out and that's really the problem not how many spots are open to uh to, to playing your way in and so i don't know and i think the other side that we haven't talked about it, of this is like what does this mean for the for the um pga tours deal with with the public investment fund right because i just <sighs> I don't know. I don't think that deal's happening. By the way, you're out. I'm big out on that. I think it's. I think it's. I think it's done. So, I agree. I think I agree. And the more you start to talk to people about the private equity stuff and like other entities that the tour is talking to, it's like I don't know how confident they are in this deal getting done the the other thing um and we can have that conversation but greg on the on the owgr side of things um you know the pga tour through live uh, more than a, a a life vest by by getting the framework right they said come on board we'll take you to safety the owgr kind of said eh, not not yet. the pga tour could kind of just kill this framework deal and see if see if the OWGR and live kind of rot within right now is is there is there now a rebellion is there now these guys who were promised points uh looking around saying this is not what we expected oh man this is a hard thing <laughs> this is this is um this is succession golf edition what's on the other side of it is um a so so let's merge these two things together okay um the deal doesn't happen hypothetically mm -hmm. so pga tour and live are separate uh, there is no lawsuit but the framework agreement is off the table mm -hmm. um and the only reason we know the we know litigation's over because it's over for forever basically so now you have one league that's not getting official world golf ranking points that has well, one thing as an advantage and it's a lot of money. And so do they just continue to try to purchase new players from the PGA tour? And, and those players will, they, they are the people who keep the, who keep live in majors. So all of a sudden, right. If Dustin Johnson's exemptions run out when Brunson's exemptions run out, the new guys that join, like Eugenio Chikara or any of these 
the U.S. amateur players that end up joining Live don't have any pathway into majors. So they're stuck. So young, you're going to have a real problem developing talent. So now you have to continue to recruit it. And will players who are, you know, um, established players on the PGA Tour with major championships and resumes and, but maybe nearing the tail end, does that start to be the, the bailout, right? Does this continue forever? And that's a, not really a fun conversation to have. Um, cause you got now again, money versus history. That, that sales pitch though, KP has drastically changed in the last two years. The, 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 the idea that Bryson and Phil and these guys had two years ago was, uh, yes, we're getting a lot of money, but we are also doing something innovative and great. And we're going to grow the game and it's going to be X, Y, and Z. And you can say all of that until w- when there's nothing on tape, right? And now we know what it's been for two years, and and now the 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 only argument to go to live is money. It's gonna it's gonna be a harder sales pitch for these guys to keep uh, you know PR on their side. It is, but the the thing that they've got going for them is that the tour has sort of normalized their yeah the 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 dark or bad parts of it right when the when the tour is like oh yeah i guess we're, we're in let's do this let's just figure something out how okay go how, ahead how deep okay let's just do it real quick so let me preface this <clears throat> i am not a, a global political genius i don't i don't know anything did you see that the Sports organizations, uh, the PGA Tour included, and the PGA Tour does not usually get involved in this stuff, have been releasing statements in support of Israel. Okay. Yes. Did you see that MBS has released a statement? Oh, yeah. Palestine. Yeah. So the PGA Tour provided cover for the sports washing, the blood money, all of that, and got through it. Right, they got through it. They said, This is going to be great. We're going to do the framework, we're going to do the merger. It's not a merger, etc. 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 And now they're going to have to deal with this too, right? And and whatever comes after this, and are you really going to tie? Are you really going to tie yourself to the PIF? It this is talk about things that are going to become untenable extremely quickly. This would be absolutely bonkers to go through with if you are the PGA Tour and you like your existence. I mean, yes. Like, of course. Right? Oh, man. I mean, I think it begs the question, like, should sports organizations be releasing statements about anything political? I don't know. But in the in this era in uh, this cultural era i i guess i guess my answer to that would be like well one has the tour like what has been their historical position on releasing statements about cultural events um to begin with the, the tours history yeah uh as far as i'm aware non-existent until like yesterday Right? I can't think of one. They wait. Ne- what? EJ Tour never gets involved in anything. Wait. What did? What did? What did they? Did they release a statement about Israel yesterday? 
they tweeted something. They tweeted out a, a statement of support. Did they not? Okay, sorry, I was misunderstanding what you were saying. I thought you were saying they haven't yet, and they have to decide no. whether. Okay, I got you. They already did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So from 22 hours ago, they they released. Uh, I mean, it's it's on the PGA Tour's Twitter account. The PGA Tour is horrified and heartbroken by this weekend's indefensible terror attacks in Israel and condemn violence in all capacities. We are praying for those wounded to recover, for the communities impacted by this devastation to rebuild, and for those mourning loved ones to heal. Greg, I think you're with me on this. I, the PGA Tour historically does not release any statements on anything. I, I cannot think of one. So now, why did I wasn't they... following the PGA Tour in 2001. But, I mean... This is this conversation, Rick, just goes down a very deep, a very dark rabbit hole. Uh, and and the funny thing is, that's what Liv has done to us all along. We're talking about travesties that take place in the world in a land far away from the United States to an ally of the United States, and it's a, it's affecting the world of golf. It's it's so hard to fathom. Can, I guess can I, answer your to answer your question that I think you were going to ask is why, why did they make a statement? Yeah, uh, my belief, and I'm not, I'm obviously not the spokesperson for the tour, is that um, when basically every G8 country and every Western country and every I, I mean there there's in our Western world there is really only one obvious side to i side to be on right in our in our society in our western world i think they thought this was a layup right it's like well every g8 country has released a statement every sports organization every every i think they thought this was pretty safe to do and then mbs kind of dunked on them 12 hours later oh he did that yesterday he did it after the tour as as far as I'm aware, it came out after this because I saw he, I saw the statement and then I saw when it was like breaking news, he released it and I was like, oh my god, they already like they already tweeted about this. Can you imagine showing the three of us in 2019 a clip of this conversation where we're talking about <laughs> no. this print the Saudi crown prince talking about Palestine and we're like, this is gonna actually be incredibly relevant to your sport and the way you discuss it in 2023. No, uh, that's it's that's preposterous. J uh, Josh, do you have the statement from I, MBS? I, I have I have the quote here. So okay. um, so this is via the via the SPA, the Saudi press agency. This is <laughs> imagine uh, working for them. <laughs> imagine me saying this on a golf podcast. Well, here, here we are. So so here's the quote from Mohammed bin Salman. Uh, quote, the kingdom continues to stand by the Palestinian people in their pursuit of their legitimate rights, striving for a dignified life, realizing their hopes and aspirations and achieving a just and lasting peace, end quote. And this affects where Ben Griffin plays golf in the future. Yep. It does. I, I hate that. It, it absolutely does. It, it literally does. Yes. Which is, is, I, yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm curious about where you stand on all this, Greg. And I don't know, we can probably, we probably will talk more about this over the next two months. I don't, everybody that I talk to is like pretty pessimistic about this, 
the PIF and the PGA Tour, which to bring it back to the OWGR, which obviously means absolutely nothing in the face of a, a war between Palestine and Israel, but is what we're talking about today. To bring it back to the OWGR, I don't, I don't know. I, I think we head into the future with all this stuff still. Like, I don't think anything is really getting merged or folded in or anything like that. I think, I think it's all systems go for all these entities for the foreseeable future. And I think that means live just carries on without OWGR points, which to go back to what you said, Rick, that's a, that's a tough spot to be in when you're trying to attract, let's say, the Patrick Cantleys and Xander Shoffleys of the world. Like those guys don't have major wins, and and so no. they're not they're not like DJ and Bryson sort of guaranteed these major championship starts. I mean, maybe for a little bit, right? But I, I don't know. Like it, it's, I I think I sort of. Uh, brushed off the OWGR statement today because you're kind of like, well, whatever, they're going to merge or like some. But now that I think more about it, it's like, oh, this has like real long term implications on Liv's viability because they're going to be unable to attract future talent that they maybe otherwise would have. I, I do think it has a big effect on that and it will certainly cost them more. And you think about the situation going on in the Middle East, not that I um have any insight into what might or might not happen but i know that when you're talking about turmoil in a region that saudi arabia is geographically and i, I think politically as well quite close to um you know those are the kind of things that sovereign nations concern themselves with right it, like you know wars um their peace in their in their nation the interest mm -hmm. of all of their people. And where does a golf league fit into that? I, I don't know. I think that's a really interesting thing, but it's certainly a risky time to make a move to join a, a Middle Eastern golf league when there's, when there's so much turmoil in the region and who knows what it turns into. I have no idea what, what's going to, but it's a deterrent for sure. Liv is playing in, in Jeddah. Is that this week? Yeah. Yeah. You know, that that can't be a thing guys are really excited to go do right now. I mean, it is. It, it, I would be very nervous about doing that personally. Um, and maybe I'm just paranoid, but I would be nervous about it. So I'm very curious about that. I think that's a deterrent. Hopefully, for the sake of our world, it's a short-term thing uh, and it gets resolved quickly, although history would say it's probably not the case. Um, but then you go back to the OWGR stuff and and the um, proposed deal and framework agreement, and it gets complicated. It's definitely a card in the hand of the PGA Tour. If they kind of get together, um, it probably eases a little bit of the burden. Maybe Jay Monahan gets back into voting. You know, like he didn't vote on this because um, of a conflict of interest. So maybe he is able to sway the decisions i don't know i don't know but um i also think that the thing that was pointed out by peter dawson and the owgr is kind of the, the one thing they can't get rid of the one thing if, if they needed to bail on the team concept to get OW, owgr points 
it's not established enough. The the brands aren't established enough. No one would miss them. We'd laugh about them. As, remember when they had team names? Cleeks. In the future. <laughs> the Cleeks, that was a golf team. You know, we would laugh about that. It's not established enough to be a thing that you can't lose. But the contracts and the players, you can't lose because it's all you got. And that is a major problem going forward as it relates to OWGR points. Yeah. That uh, went longer than expected, but I think it was worth it and a valuable conversation. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to reset. We're going to talk about Lexi Thompson, the Shriners, give out our best bets, and then we're going to get out of here on a Tuesday. But first, we are going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. And we're back. Las Vegas. I was uh, I was over there this morning. Of course, looks good. Everybody's excited. Things are happening. And Lexi Thompson will be the seventh woman to play in a PGA Tour event. KP, I don't think you were here. Can you name the other six? Okay. <clears throat> Michelle Wee. Yes. Eight times. Uh, Babe Zaharis. Yes, yeah, seven times, most recently in 1946. Um, Annika. Yep, once, 2003. Colonial. Yep. Uh, Susie Whaley. Once, 2003. Correct. She played at Hartford. Two short. You're missing the most recent, and you're missing the, the, the most difficult one. The most recent? Yeah. R more recent than Michelle Wee? That's how this works. Yeah, that's how the word most works. <laughs> uh, it's a tough one. Lydia Ko? No. Greg? If you don't if you don't know it, you're not going to get it. Yeah. Uh, Brittany Lincecum. Brittany Lincecum did it in 2018. She played the Barbasol. But we did we did this already and all. Yeah, but you knew it the other day too. So don't don't. I knew I knew Brittany, but I only knew two thousand and I don't two thousands and beyond. I don't remember that. What what was the sixth one? Uh, Shirley Spork did it in nineteen fifty two. She's actually the last to the the only to technically make a cut. She finished one hundred fifth. It was seventy one years ago, but she technically did it. Uh, so Greg Lexi, uh, on a short list already, she would be the only, she'd be the only modern woman to, to, to make a cut if she's able to pull it off. It would be a big feat. I mean, yeah. you remember the, the status of Michelle Wee West game when she was playing PGA tour events. I mean, she was, um, playing at an extremely high level. And it, I'm not saying that Lexi isn't, but I'm just pointing out the difficulty here. And this is something that we we talked about yesterday, Rick. This is one of those events when scoring gets really low, where you can play some really good golf and miss a cut. It's you know if we were playing one and done in a week like this, you got to be a little careful playing a star because there's a high chance of a of a miss cut. You could shoot six under over the first two days. And miss a cut. Uh, so, you know, is the cut line the thing for Lexi to really aim for? Probably, because it makes history. Um, but, but I do think it's going to be a very tall task. Yeah, the state of the game, not particularly 
sharp KP, uh, getting a little bit better, but she's missed a lot of cuts recently. She's been in the news. Obviously, the, the Solheim Cup was exciting, but she got a little uh, short or didn't want to answer some questions that were being asked of her after some sour, sour chips. So it, it's not like we haven't seen or heard from her. How do you assess what you're going to see this week from Lexi? Yeah, the the Solheim Cup thing was that was pretty soft. Just I know we haven't talked about that. It but. was doubly soft because she said she's not going to answer the question. Then she did answer it. Which if she just would have said the answer first, there wouldn't have been a story. Or say you're not going to answer it and just don't answer it. Yeah, the the, the whole <laughs> yeah yeah the, absolutely the whole thing was just like. I don't know. Like, I think I think the one of the best things I've heard about um, the coverage of like women's golf or just stuff sort of outside the mainstream of what we normally cover is like, hey, when we make fun of you or pose hard questions to you, like that's what we do on like that's a that's a sign. It's almost like when somebody gives you like a hard time, like when they're around you or whatever. It's a sign that like you're like this matters, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think it, it, it's, it's just such a weird, that whole thing was just very bizarre to me. Cause it was like, no, this is affirmation of like your, the Solheim cup matters. And like, this is meaningful. And like you, your game, Matt, you know, all that stuff. And, and it was like, but it was almost viewed as the opposite. Like, Oh, how dare you come in here and like challenge us and make fun of me or whatever. And it's like, yo, this is what we do every single day on the men's side. And that, I don't know, that whole thing was just kind of odd. Uh, I, I don't know. I feel ambivalent about all this. I think that the women's game has grown in my eyes. This is maybe a personal thing. The women's game has grown so much and is so good that it's like, I don't, I don't need Lexi to play in a men's event to like recognize how talented or like uh, meaningful her game is and the women's sport is. Not that that's why it's being done, but I just I think sometimes in the past it it was like this deal of you know Annika playing in Colonial and it's like oh man like let's all pay attention to what the like what Annika's doing. It's like I'm I'm already paying attention to what Lexi's doing or to what. Nelly's doing or what Jin Young Ko's doing or whatever. Like I, 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 I see that and it's, it's really impressive and it's really good. So I just think the crossover crossover of it for me, this is a me take is not as big of a deal as it used to be. It's just, it doesn't have the same kind of pop that it would have like 15 or 20 years ago. Okay. That's, that's fair. Now I'll have to look this up or I'll have to talk to J Ray, but this could be the first tournament ever to feature a Solheim cupper, a Ryder cupper, and a President's cupper. Tom Kim, Ludwig Aberg, Nikolai Hoygaard in the field. That can't have happened that much. I would say it kind of likely, kind of likely is. Right. Because the only other option would be. Did did Brittany Linscombe play in a Solheim Cup in 2018? And would there have been would there have been a Ryder Cupper and a Presidents Cupper in in the Barbasol? Probably not. Sony Open with Michelle Wee West would be the I think the best possibility. Yeah. 
I'd have to go. I'd have to go look at that. But it, it is a, a. We were kind of talking about this yesterday, Greg. You know, the the top of the field, a lot of exciting young golfers. Ludwig in action. Tom Kim's playing great golf again. There are some um, outside of Lexi. There are a lot of really good stories. Also, Lexi got a featured group. Did you see the pairing she got? It's not good. Why? 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 I don't know. Why? I don't know. Why? Why? What? Give me your real quick. Give me your Ludwig take, Rick. You saw him at at in Rome. Special freak, freak the, show. The thing is, uh, and Greg, you can speak to the swing better. It, it's just that efficiency, right? Where it's just like open the door, close the door. There is not a an ounce of wasted energy. Is super super dangerous. It's uh, speaking to the swing, highly highly efficient uh, and robotic. I would say. And it's working. Kinda, <laughs> it, it's very much working. Kind of wrong with that swing. Kind of Stenson like, Greg. You know, there are some similarities to it. Similar body types. Um, I think there are some differences. You know, Stenson had a lot of head release uh, with his uh, through the golf ball, which is a cool aspect of his swing. And his arms were probably a little bit lower at the top of the swing than um, than Ludwig's, but they both have a little bit of a lateral slide early in the early in the backswing, um, which is you know sometimes mistaken for a flaw that that can be problematic. It's not problematic. There, there's nothing wrong with that golf swing. It's um, whatever whatever he accomplishes is going to come from what he has between the ears and and what he can do on the greens which he's shown an ability to handle both of those situations already. Circling back on this, because I, I can't let this go, here are the featured groups. <laughs> okay. Akshay, JT Poston, Eric Cole. Poston, Eric Cole are two of the top 10 favorites to win. Akshay is a young, exciting player. Siwoo Kim, Cam Davis, Scott Stallings. Siwoo Kim and Cam Davis have the third shortest odds to win this, and Scott Stallings played well last week. Luke List, Nick Taylor, Tom Kim. Tom Kim, your defending champion. Luke List, your winner last week. Nick Taylor, uh, one of the best memorable moments of, of last year. Lexi Thompson, your maybe biggest draw this week, or at least most unique aspect. So we're obviously going to stick him with or stick her, excuse me, with Ludwig or Adam Shank or Vincent Norman or Boha. Like, no, Kevin Roy and Trevor were below. How did this happen? I, I got to say, I, I've not ever heard of Kevin Roy. I I've did heard, not I, think they would put her with Ludwig because it would he would literally be 60 yards past her every single time, and I don't think <laughs> they were going to do that to her. So I did not think we were going to get a Ludwig Lexi. Put her with Tom Kim. Yes. I can uh, this is so mind-boggling to me. Catnip. Well, you know, it makes you question the purpose. Right. Right. Are we we're gonna have what's the motivation here? Are we gonna have Lexi in this event to draw attention to the LPGA tour or is Lexi going to be a draw to the PGA tour event? And in both cases, the, the grouping doesn't, it doesn't help unless you think Lexi Thompson is such a big draw that people are going to get to know Kevin Roy and uh, you know, Trevor, I, I can't pronounce his name. We're below. We're below. 
Yeah. But okay, if that's the case, then put her with Akshay, right? Put, right. Her, no, here's right. your next here's here's like someone else you should learn more about. You yeah, you're gonna want to watch this guy going forward. Then it has kind of a mutual benefit. So I I don't so, know. Sorry, Kevin. Sorry, Trevor. This is it's, bizarre. It's very it's very strange. Uh unless like <laughs> yeah, I, I don't get it. I, I would be interested to see who Annika and Michelle Wee and and uh, some of those women played with whenever they were yeah, whenever they were paired in previous PJ Tour events that they played in. At, maybe some of the top guys didn't want to play with her, which I don't really. Again, it just it to me it does it. It's not like sometimes when this has happened in the past, it's felt like a sideshow or a. Like a, you know, whatever, and this just doesn't feel like that. It feels like, oh, look, Lexi's playing in a PJ Tour event. Is it? Is there a case to be made that like some of the guys fighting for cards for next year could be like somebody who got boxed out because of this could be frustrated? Sure, I'll listen to that. But to me, it, it just feels very normal and not like a weird, strange thing. I agree. All right. Sorry. That just really caught my attention. Um, let us do the bets here. Now, how about this? We are really coming up in the world. I, I've got, I've got, this is, a, this is a sponsored segment now. Are we, are we making, are we making waves? So, so, so here we go. This is uh this is a best bet segment brought to you by could be anything. You guys have no idea. FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. There they are. Wow. I didn't. Is this, this is new. It's new. Yeah. It, it's not a trickle down thing. So we don't get any, we don't get anything for it, but uh, well, that's but fine. Official. That's nice. It's official. Yeah. It's I'm a company nice. man. Yeah. yeah. Me too. Earning our, earning our for pay. The, for the most part. <laughs> when, when, when beneficial. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Uh, so if you've never seen this uh, segment before, which is brought to you by our, our friends over at FanDuel, uh, Josh gives us 100 bucks. We take 50 and put on a matchup, 30 on a finishing position, 10 each on two separate outrights. Let's start with the matchup. Greg, ooh, you pit two South Africans against one another, and only one is going to come out on top. Who's it going to be? I have Christian Bezidenut over Garrick. He go a um, couple reasons for this. One, Garrick at the start of this season – I was very interested in. So I've been watching him closely and I know he finished tied 16th at the farmers, but I'm not overly impressed. Um, the iron play, which I thought was turning around has, has not, um, he's, he's lost strokes approaching the green in his last three events, including both the events he's played in this year. And that T 16 came largely from the greens, right? He gained six strokes, uh, on the greens. And although he's been a pretty good putter, I, I don't know if, um, his iron play is going to hold up. And, and then Bezzy on the other side has been very good with the putter, but also finished tied six at the Sanderson farms and gained four strokes approaching the green. So I'm a big fan of that. I'm also, um, I, I like the record of Christian better than uh, Higo here at the Shriners. Both played at once. Christian T20 last year. Um, Garrick Higo miscut. Mm. Mark sent in his picks. He's going with uh, Bo Hostler over Eric Cole. KP, 
you have a Canadian beating an Australian, Lucas Herbert from Australia. That's right. Yeah, Adam Svensson. I've uh, been playing good golf. Uh, a couple top 20s in his last few starts. He hasn't played a ton. Uh, but yeah, I like him this week over Lucas Herbert. I went with Nikolai Hoygaard over Emiliano Grillo. Uh, Hoygaard is an opportunities machine. Grillo's been struggling from tee to green, which is very, very rare, and he has never been able to figure it out at TPC Summerlin. Not a particularly great uh, position to be in. Finishing positions can be anything. Top 10s, top 20s, top 30s, top 40s. We've got a pretty uh, good collection here. KP, back to you. You went to the top of the board on a top 10. Who is it? Yeah, I did. Uh, Cam Davis, I love the way he's been playing recently. He's somebody that um, <clears throat> I think has an opportunity to be a top 25 player in the world, depending on what rankings we're using. I don't know which ones we're, we're going with there. But uh, yeah, I've got him finishing in, in the top 10 this week. I went with uh, perpetual top 20 machine at TPC Summerlin. Harry Hall plays out of TPC Summerlin, uh, plus 450. This is the best course on the schedule for him. It should be. He's unbelievably aware of how to play it, where to miss, and uh, where not to miss. So top 20 for Harry at plus 450. Greg, this is – the my best bet was actually that this guy was going to be on your betting card. <laughs> yes. Um, we are in the desert. And when in the desert, you play the Desert Fox. That's Adam Hadwin, top 20, plus 170. I think it's a really strong number. Uh, and I'm, I'm looking forward to Adam Hadwin getting a great start to the year on a golf course with back-to-back -to -back top 10s uh, and four total top 10s here at the Shriners. It continues this week. Mark went with Chuck Hoffman, top 40 at plus two. 10. A couple of outrights. Mark went with Ludwig, 12 to 1. Bo Hostler, 35 to 1. KP, there is a little bit of crossover on your outright board. Who are your two picks, please? Uh, yeah, I've also got Ludwig, who it just is, oh, feels like he's going to, uh, is going to win soon. Uh, based on, I mean, I didn't follow a ton of the Sanderson last week, but I saw him in the playoff and it was like, God, he's coming off the Ryder Cut. Like, he's just, he is, He's a, he's a talent. He's so, so good. And then Aaron Rye, who has had a weird month. He almost won the BMW PGA. And then he he, he played in, um, I think it was France, and he lost like 10 strokes. I mean, it was like one of the worst performances I've seen so far this year. So I don't know what to expect from him, but BMW PGA field is, I would say, as good, probably better than this one. And he nearly won that, and he's 55 to 1. So, um, kind of like that number. I have Adam Svensson at 45 to 1. And Greg, you and I uh, have found the same golfer at 35 to 1. Would you like to tell the people who it is? Tom Hoagie. Yeah. Um, he's starting to get back to the Tom Hoagie that we know and love, which is a great wedge player and a great iron player, uh, and at times a, a good enough putter. So really like Tom Hoagie. Um, I, I love the fact that after Tour Championship, he went and played a couple events in Europe, keep the game sharp. I think he's going to come in rearing and ready to go and is uh, trending towards a victory. And your second golfer on your outright card is someone who has plenty of experience around TPC Summerlin. Justin Suh. Which means you've seen a lot of him. What I've really admired, I mean, the the fingerprint on him so far is that he's a great putter. But we've seen 
in in the two events that he's played since you know the Wyndham Championship, we've seen some really good ball striking out of him, really good iron play, which was the thing that was missing from last year. So uh, all we got to do is put the pieces together, and he may be holding a trophy. That's right. All we got to do, put the pieces together. Now, uh, Josh, if you don't like all of those, he gives us an extra 50 bucks to go find anything that we want over at FanDuel Sportsbook. And Greg, I'm going to bounce it right back to you here. You've got a Desert Fox on your on your card, and you have another guy who has thrived not only in the desert, but specifically here in Las Vegas. Yes, um, he loves the Shriners. It's Martin Laird. I got him at plus money, plus 105 for a top 40. Now, he has finished inside the top 40 for the last five years. Um, he's only missed the cut twice here. He's also won here twice. He's played really, really well here at the Shriners. And recently, he's been playing pretty good golf, too. I mean, the results haven't been spectacular, but uh, but the advanced metrics have been certainly adequate and and there it's a sign to me that nothing's broken and he's coming to a place that he loves i think you're going to see some really good golf out of out of marty laird uh the brand is strong for mark a top south african wager plus 225 christian bezaden hote that was right on cue i went with kelly Kraft. Never said that before. Top 40 plus 180. He's playing a lot better. A couple of top 25s to start his fall swing. I'm asking him to finish inside the top 40. And KP, round us out with your best bet, please. Yeah, I'm doubling down on uh, on Adam Svensson. Top 20 plus 190. Again, really good golf. Hitting the ball well. Hasn't played a ton, but uh, he's finishing the top 20, I think, in three in a row or at least two of his last three. That segment, the best bets brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. That works. Like you can make more money, you can make it more exciting. That's 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 not bad. I've 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 heard I've heard worse. That's a good one. Um anything else, guys, before we get out of here? We've touched on uh females playing on the PGA tour. We've touched on uh the war in the Middle East, we've touched on Literally everything in between. Did we miss anything? Um, I don't think we missed much, but <laughs> thoughts and prayers to everybody involved over there. Mm. Uh, just a just a terrible thing. So I know we we talked about it almost tongue in cheek tonight because it's on how it's going to affect the game of golf, which is the purpose of this podcast. But um, right. it's not something that we take lightly. So our our thoughts and prayers are with everybody. Uh, KP, did we miss anything? No. Well said, Greg. Um, yeah. Excited to watch some baseball tonight with my, with my kids and hockey's back. Apparently I heard go Knights go home. Open oh, how about so, that? Everybody tis the season tis the season. The, the, the F one track is screwing everything up. It is the season. It is happening Monday night football last night. This is the place to be. <laughs> I, I'm not not brought to you by Las Vegas Department of Tourism. Um, <laughs> subscribe to us, Golf on CBS YouTube channel. Leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. If you drop us a line, a question, we will do our best to answer it in the next mailbag episode. For now, producer Josh does all the hard work behind the scenes. Thank you very much. Greg Ducharme available on Twitter at the Real GFD. Kyle Porter at Kyle Porter CBS. And you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut. We'll catch you next time. 